The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark from the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel today is from Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39, and can be found on page 1553 of your Pew Bible. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, and he took her hand, and he helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. And that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. And he also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Now very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, and he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. And that is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Today's gospel continues where last week's gospel left off. It, you may remember from the gospel last week that Jesus had removed a demon from one of the members of the synagogue in Capernaum. He had also been teaching about the kingdom of God in that synagogue. And the people had been impressed by his authority. Jesus had selected the town of Capernaum as the headquarters of his ministry. Jesus had grown up in Nazareth, and most of the people of the day knew him as Jesus of Nazareth. I'm going to read from Mark 6, chapter 1 through 6. It's, in, it's on page 1560 of your pew Bible, but I'll read it here. It's um, titled, A Prophet Without Honor. It starts with, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who had heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. They asked. 
What's this wisdom that has been given him? That he even does miracles. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house, is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Keep that in mind as we go further. And so he, Jesus, moved to Capernaum and he ministered there. Also from last week's gospel, we learned that it was Jesus' custom to teach in the synagogues on the Sabbath. And we also learned that one of the members of the synagogue tried to interrupt Jesus' teaching because a demon had possessed him. And Jesus exercised the demon and so demonstrated his power and his authority. And as a result of the exorcism and the power of his teaching, Jesus became very popular. And as we pick up the story in today's gospel, Jesus has finished his teachings of the gospel in the synagogue. And then we read that the brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, well, apparently they worked together and they lived together, and they had invited Jesus to come to their home for a meal after the day in the synagogue. They had also invited James and John as well. And this makes sense since all four of these men were fishermen in Capernaum. So when the day in the synagogue was over, Jesus immediately went to Simon and Andrew's house along with James and John. Now if we read, if we listen very carefully, we read and we hear that Jesus did not come to Simon's house specifically in order to heal his mother-in-law. He didn't. Instead, what we read, Simon and the others made Jesus aware of this woman's condition after they arrived at the house. And the text indicates that this woman was unable, she was unable to get out of bed because her fever was so severe. And although the Bible doesn't say anything, we can imagine that Simon's wife stayed home from the synagogue to take care of her mom. That makes sense. And once Jesus learned, as soon as he learned of the woman's need, he took her hand and he helped her up. And the fever was gone. And the woman was perfectly healthy in every way from that moment. We know how healthy she was 
because she immediately began helping her daughter prepare and serve the meal to her healer and four of his disciples. What we don't hear, and what you should notice, is there was no convalescence. There was no resting up to regain strength after the fever left. She simply began to serve the guests in the house. And this woman's fever was a somber reminder of the warning that God gave to Adam in Genesis 2. He said this, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge and of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So, here's the point of that. Every instance of disease, every instance of injury, of pain or death, is indeed a reminder to us all that there is sin in this world. And these reminders of sin have been our lot ever since Adam and Eve ignored God's warning and they ate of the forbidden fruit. Death, pain, and misery are a constant reminder that we daily sin much and indeed deserve nothing. We deserve nothing but punishment here in time and forever in eternity because of the original sin. And in the middle of all this suffering, Today's gospel gives us a new teaching, and that is that Jesus proclaimed the salvation he brings. He proclaimed salvation by reaching out his hand to grasp the fevered hand of Peter's mother-in-law. And as he reached out, as he did this, the fever left. Jesus Christ reversed the sin the curse of sin for a time in this woman's life. And as he did so, he demonstrated the overwhelming generosity of his salvation. It just took a touch, and she was healed for a time. And this woman went straight from the weakness of fever to strength, the strength of health at the Savior's touch. There was nothing more that could be done for her physical health. Why? Because she was already perfectly healthy at his touch. The quality of his preaching and the exorcism in the synagogue had attracted a whole lot of attention. It had indeed been a busy Sabbath day, but there was more work to do. When the sun went down and the Sabbath was over, the whole town, they brought their sick and their demon-possessed to Peter's house in order to receive healing from Jesus. And we know that Jesus worked late into the night to heal everyone who came. 
the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, as well as the healing of the townspeople, shows us the nature of God's generosity. He does not do anything halfway. Everything that he does is complete. Everything that he does is perfect. And everything that he does is in abundance. There was no recuperation period. There were no days of bed rest to gain strength. The curse of sin was gone for a time. Jesus described God's generosity with this phrase recorded in Luke 6. He says, Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Physical healing, although it was part of Christ's ministry, was not the main reason the Son of God took on a human nature and came into the world. That would be like treating symptoms of a disease while ignoring the underlying cause. Here's a pill. (laughs) Keep doing what you're doing. You're not going to get better that way. Jesus came into this world to get at the root of the problem. He came to defeat sin, death, and the devil. And he did this with the ultimate demonstration of his love and generosity. He offered up his holy, precious blood through his innocent suffering and death. And with his sacrifice, he reached out his hand to all people in all places and in all times. The hand whose touch drove out fever touches us and drives out the eternal death of sin. So when we consider our Lord's suffering and his death on the cross, we consider the ultimate cure for the cause of all that is wrong in this world. That is the ultimate cure for sin. Christ's resurrection from the dead on the third day gives us all the assurance that his cure is complete, his cure is perfect, and his cure is abundant. There is nothing that we need to do because God has done it all. That means no good work, no commitment, no prayer, nothing can do anything to improve our relationship with God because it is already perfect. Now sadly, there are people who refuse to believe this. They are like people who draw back their hand away from Jesus when he offers healing. Imagine if Peter's mother-in-law had drawn her hand back and refused Jesus' healing. She probably would have died from that fever. And in a similar way, people who refuse to believe Jesus' eternal gift of salvation will pass into a realm pass away into a realm of eternal punishment. Now, on the other hand, those who believe and just receive 
the gift of salvation. Well, that salvation is very different from the physical healing that Jesus gave in today's gospel. All the people that Jesus healed back then, all of them eventually died. Even people Jesus raised from the dead, like Lazarus and the widow's son, well, they died again. The salvation that Jesus worked for us on the cross has no such limit. It is for eternity. Jesus could not stay. We read that in Capernaum with this message. It was part of his mission to this earth to spread this message among the people of Israel. And when he ascended into heaven so he could be with all of his people all of the time, he passed this mission onto his followers. They were not only to share this message with all of Israel, but they were to share this message with the entire world. And throughout the church, the Holy Spirit has spread this message down through the ages and out over the miles. This message has been shared down through the generations, and now it belongs to us. And in our gratitude for this very precious gift, the gift of knowledge and of salvation, we in turn will learn as much of the message as we can and then tell it to others. Let us learn all that we can of Jesus' teachings so that we in turn can tell those teachings to others. You know, our, our loved ones who are now at the Savior's side in heaven can no longer communicate with us. If they could, they would want us to know one thing. That is that our Savior has a place in heaven reserved for us. That that reservation waits for the time when God in his infinite knowledge and wisdom brings an end to our time on this earth. And now we who trust in the person and in the work of Jesus will join our loved ones in paradise. And together with our loved ones and all the other believers in Christ, we will enjoy the eternal happiness of heaven. What a reunion that is going to be. In the name of Jesus, amen.